0: Welcome to The Next Track, a podcast about how people listen to music today. I'm Doug Adams. And I'm Kirk McElhern. You can find episode show notes, past episode archives, and listener discussions at our website, thenexttrack.com. And in between episodes, follow us on Twitter at NextTrackCast. My standard reply whenever the discussion turns to the future of music is, well, I can't wait till they come out with music pills. (laughs) ha ha ha. and then <laughs> and then um but i'm actually thinking it's sort of philip k dickian to think of like having the <clears throat> every every record ever recorded embedded on a chip and put in your into your thumbnail or something you know and so anytime you wanted to listen to something you just thought about it and there it was in your head it's like some like virtual audio it would be Sound really good.
1: Why would you even need the chip, though?
0: Well, you, because you'd have it all stored there. Oh, I see. You could. You, you would be a transponder. You're thinking you could pull it in. Exactly. That would be a good yes, way too. Yeah. But I think if Philip K. Dick wrote this, it would have been a chip with everything on it. Yeah. Or, or a pill, <laughs> that would work for Philip K. Dick too. And then I was reminded of um, the Robert Klein bit. Every record ever recorded. Remember the comedian Robert Klein? Yes. And one of yeah. his bits was, now, you can own every record ever recorded. And he listed all these crazy sorts of things that were recorded. Lithuanian language records. <laughs> um, you know. And, and at the time, I remember thinking, gee, you know, you're right. If you were to get every record ever recorded, it would, of course, include language records, audio books, music, who knows, speeches, you know, all kinds of stuff would be recorded on record." So now we've come and we we found a list of of things that are predicted for the future of music. What is the future of music? I don't think it's going to be music pills or, uh, well, it could be transceivers embedded in your thumbnail. That could be a thing.
1: Yeah, I, I think that's pretty likely. It doesn't have to be in your thumbnail. It's probably got to be in your... I'm thinking the back of your head. What's 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 that bit on the back of your head just under the campness? Just hi- under the hi- skull. Hi- There's a little hi- spot hi- there.
0: Typnocampness. Hi- Hippocampus. Hi-
1: yeah. There there was a uh David Cronenberg movie where people had something stuck into the back of their head, like an umbilical cord. But we're beyond that now. We just need something they would inject it under your skin. At the bottom of your skull, it would have a battery that lasts fifty years and you'll just have Hg wi-fi
0: well you could have it as an earring you could wear it as an earring so whenever you wanted it it would always you know you just plug it into your ear and it would just be there like some kind of cyborg module
1: if you need to charge it occasionally
0: that's a good idea yeah oh right you'd have to charge it right it couldn't run on unless what you could do i saw a thing on the venture brothers the other day you wear a suit that recycles your dead skin and uses that to power the suit (laughs) i really love that idea
1: well, you you know how self-winding watches work, right? They, they call them automatic watches among watch people these days, but we called them self-winding back in the day. It takes your movement and it charges some sort of mini dynamo and it probably lasts for like 12 hours so you can go to sleep and still have the right time when you wake up. I never had one of those, um, but... Yes, so we would need a self-charging
0: music pill. No, see, if I was going to market those, I'd want to make sure that they wore off so you'd go out and buy more. So well, if that's you, a good point. You know, yeah. If you were listening to Abbey Road and you wanted to listen to it again, you'd have to go out and buy the pill again. Yeah. You need a bottle of, of Abbey Road pills.
1: <laughs> Speaking of which, it's the 50th anniversary of the Abbey Road photo shoot. And thousands of people went to that spot in London last week. I'll see if I can find a video from the news. And they were all like walking across like they were pretend Beatles 50 years later. But this idea came to me in the shower, as good ideas often do. I was thinking, we were supposed to have a guest today who didn't show up. And I was thinking, you know, what can we think about the future of music? You know, we've talked about the technology, we've talked about the hardware, but this is on a different level about how the music industry is going to change. I don't think we're going to see major changes in file formats because... They've gotten that right. As bandwidth increases, you don't need to have better compression. You can do lossless. Apple hasn't done it yet, but I'm pretty sure they're going to be doing that soon.
0: I, I think uh, they've pretty much gone as far as they can go as far as that sort of thing. What else? <laughs> Music pills. Again, we're about you know that's the that would be the next thing. Exactly, There's nothing else yeah. after the after digital. After you digitize it, what are you going to do? After the data is in a file. In,
1: interestingly, I find myself expressing this opinion in lots of. In lots of contexts when I talk about technology. If you think back to the first iPod, it only had music. And then the second a couple years later they had photos and then they added videos and and once you got all that content, there was no more content. There was no more progress. If you look at an iPhone today, changes are incremental. They're they're really small. Okay, they're gonna have they've got a double lens camera now. Next year they're gonna have three lenses. It makes you think of those razor blade commercials, right? The the Gillette five blade razor that you're gonna get. So on, on the technology side, I don't think we're going to see a lot of big changes. As you said, I found a couple of articles talking about changes to the music industry coming in 10 years. And Interestingly, one of them is 10 ways the music industry will change in 10 years. One is 10 predictions from industry professionals. and Another one is 10 trends that will reshape the music industry. Notice a trend there of 10. This is also known as a listicle in journalism. For some reason, and people have done studies, People are more likely to click on a link with an article with a number in it than they are if it just says, you know, how the music industry will change in ten years. So,
0: well, we clicked on it. Worked for me. So,
1: so I'm going to link to three different articles, and we're going to go through some of these ideas. and And some of them are interesting, and some of them make no sense at all.
0: I have to say, the first time I, the first time I read a couple of them, I'm, my immediate reaction was to reject them, and then I thought, okay, well. Let's see what they have to say. But my initial reaction was, there's no way that's going to happen.
1: Yeah, but there are some that I think are a little bit rehashing old ideas. We'll get to it. So one of the first ones that comes up, and this is an article in Vibe, and I don't know this website, but I do now. Physicals will be dead completely. Yes, but no. There is still going to be a market for collectibles. There's still going to be a market for limited editions, for something that people can hold in their hands. Yep. Uh, if if 75% of music industry revenue in 2018 was streaming, maybe next year it's going to be 80, then 85, then 90, then 93, then 94. But I think no matter what, we're still going to have a market for something physical.
0: And that thing that is physical could also be the thing that you hold to receive the streaming. <laughs> You know, I mean, we. You're really obsessed about this. Well, I am. I'm. I'm just thinking in terms of. I'm not obsessed with it, but the idea that no, but that we already
1: have the thing that gets the streaming. I've got one in my hand here. It's this right. little slab, and it's kind of
0: kind of heavy and kind of big. But we already have that, and that becomes the physical thing because I have several of them. I and mean, we just haven't we've reintegrated.
1: Yeah, but you don't buy that to buy the music. You, you're gonna. There's gonna have to be something so that when fans go to a concert, they can buy something to take home. Okay. Now, maybe it's going to be a T-shirt with a chip in it. Maybe it's going to be a piece of art or something that doesn't look like a CD or a vinyl record or a cassette. But there's going to be something.
0: A VR recording of the concert you just saw.
1: Okay, we'll get to the VR in a minute because I think that's huge. A A lot of bands now sell recordings immediately as you leave the concert. You can go up and you can immediately get the recording either on CD or US, like a thumb drive. I remember when this started about 10 years ago, some of the bands were having trouble doing it quickly enough because so many fans wanted it, and then it all went downloadable. But in many cases, you can still get it. Um, but I think physical is going to die, but eh, not entirely.
0: There will always be some physical object. That's my point. It's like, okay, it won't be a CD or a record. Yeah. It will be the device you use to listen.
1: Well, again, it has to have something that you can give as a gift. Right, yeah. That you can that you can put under the Christmas tree or in the
0: stocking. Hopefully that can be repurchased several times.
1: So another point is an influx of hip-hop artist residences. In other words, someone going to a venue and playing for a couple of weeks, like Billy Joel has been doing, like David
0: Byrne's doing, in new york isn't he like bruce Springsteen on broadway he's actually doing previews he's doing previews here in boston very soon with that show are you going to see it i don't know i I saw the commercial for it this morning and i'm thinking that's going to sell out i don't know if i should even try to fight to get if there's
1: even a commercial already i'm surprised because i would have expected it to be
0: almost an immediate sellout yeah what is it called america david burns american utopia or something like that yeah yeah yeah, um, it looks tempting,
1: but that does make a lot of sense. And I think the future of the music industry is live for those artists who can do the live stuff, because not everyone does. Well, you need a repertoire um, for small artists. They're going to keep. No, no. I mean th- that have, that have written music that can be performed live. Oh,
0: I see what you mean. Right, it's
1: not always the case with a lot of electronica. Small artists are going to continue playing bars and local venues, and big artists are going to continue playing big venues. But most of them hate touring.
0: Well, I think the um, the recent um, Aerosmith residence in Las Vegas, they they switched it up a lot. For instance, sometimes they would do some songs, and sometimes they would do others, or they would play the songs from just particular albums, or they did acoustic sets, so they could do whatever they wanted. But they because they, they were a residence there it became more special because you would see a different show uh, depending on the night that you saw them. It wasn't the same concert being put on. Well,
1: not that many artists can actually do that. They mostly have their set playlist. But the artists who can, and this is why the Grateful Dead managed to sell tickets to multiple shows of a run to the same people, because people knew that no show would be the same. And you could see them five times in a row at Madison Square Garden, and every concert would be different. Not that many bands can do that. It's
0: hard to do that because of technical issues
1: well it's hard to do that because you have to have enough songs you have to be creative enough to not play everything in the same order every time
0: well i was thinking of lighting you know choreography and things like that you know and you take someone like beyonce for instance when they go out and they have dance choreography or lady gaga and things like that they can't do different shows yeah they have to do the same show Yeah.
1: yeah and that's a different kind of artist in a way that that's more like a play or a musical than an actual concert in many ways If you look at what Springsteen did, he essentially did the same playlist throughout his entire Broadway residency, residence, whatever they call it. He essentially did the same playlist throughout most of his Broadway performances, but he did add and remove songs over time. So it wasn't exactly the same, but it wasn't different from night to night because he was doing a Broadway show. He was doing a play. He was doing music with stories, and he had to have the stories to go before and after the music. A number of these articles talk about record labels, how they will become a thing of the past, and and this first article says record labels will be a thing of the past, but then it says don't be surprised if your favorite artist signs for Coca-Cola. And I think that's interesting, that it's very possible that artists are going to go into exclusive agreements with patrons who are going to fund them like the Medici's did and use the prestige of having that artist as
0: promotion For, sort of from a different perspective they will use a market their marketing company they will become taylor swift incorporated and taylor swift incorporated will you know sell themselves to sponsorships and they'll get that's how they'll make their money and they'll sell uh records and they'll be funded by coca-cola and you know it'll just perpetuate like that. I think big artists will do that. Smaller artists, I don't know what they're going to do. They'll have some kind of small marketing company.
1: No, the idea here isn't about the marketing, that these brands will become record labels, will replace record labels, will do the work of building up a stable of musicians, setting up recording contracts, handling marketing. You know, the Taylor Swifts and the Beyonce's, they can become corporations with their own marketing departments. It's the mid-level that the, the importance of record labels for mid-level artists who are going to make the leap into, let's say, arena stadium shows, you know, the big
0: deal. So would this be like um, NASCAR sponsorships? Like, you know how, you know, there are whole divisions of these companies that sponsor NASCAR drivers or golfers or football teams well, or I'm baseball not seeing, teams over what,
1: here. What this article is saying is it's not about sponsorship. It's, We're not suggesting Coca-Cola is going to start looking to streams as a source of revenue for the company, but if an artist can be used to sell Coke and the investment makes sense, large corporations will act as the new labels, signing artists, providing recording budgets, giving them space to develop, and using the journey as content to spread across social platforms, TV, and other marketing channels as a means to sell soda and other own brands. You know, Apple was close to doing this with U2 for a while. If you were an Apple user, you knew U2, and they even force fed you a U2 album. Imagine if Apple did this with 20 different artists across genres instead of focusing as they do now on hip hop and or they did in the past U2 and Coldplay. You've got a classical artist, you've got a jazz musician, you've got rappers, you've got rockers, you've got a little bit of everything in the Apple stable. They get extra promotion on Apple Music and they get extra promotion on what remains of the iTunes store and Apple is a media company as we see they're going into TV production and distribution so why not
0: that's um isn't that a fear that a lot of uh, our friends have of of Spotify becoming a, a well for lack of a better word record label but owning these uh the rights to the music and the, and the artists and and their you know associative trademarks and things like that
1: well i think what spotify wants to do is take artists who haven't broken out that they see potential, the same way A&R Departments of Record Labels did, and try to bring that potential using their promotional tool, which is Spotify. You dump them in a lot of Spotify playlists. And so think about it. Spotify gets extra revenue from these artists, and they put them in the playlists. They give priority over other artists, and it's a sort of a payola system because they're getting money back because they own some of the rights to the artist's music. I have a feeling antitrust people will look into that because it does sound yeah. a bit shady to be able to use your own platform to promote someone that you're selling to get money back. Yeah, VR and and now VR is really interesting. There's there's a thing here. VR will be a viable tool in the music industry. First of all, we're still years away from comfortable VR, and I keep seeing people talk about this and. VR is being used in industry. It's right around the corner. Yeah. You always
0: hear it's right around the corner. And this it's is so the numb. year of
1: Linux on the desktop, right? Yeah. <laughs> Someone I know told me that uh, he saw a thing, a video about Microsoft. I don't know what they call their VR thing. It's relatively expensive, but it's used in industry where people need to visualize things that they're making, that they're working on. And, and it makes sense. You know, a doctor with a VR headset, that makes sense. If we can get something smaller... Imagine all of the things you can do while you're listening to the band. You're watching visuals, a film, or you're actually seeing the band up close through the VR headset, no matter where you're
0: sitting. My dream is to see, and I know I'll never see it but unless they can recreate it, The Last Waltz as a three-dimensional VR production. About six feet long, maybe two and a half feet high, and you see the whole theater, and it's right there in front of you on the floor. I would love that. Any concert like that? Could they could they broadcast in VR like that? Could I watch a show like Help Me Obi Wan Kenobi, Your Only Hope? That sort of that sort of holographic sort of VR <laughs> thing. I mean,
1: I, I don't know if they're up to holograms yet. I mean, it, again, that's a technology that may develop the Obi Wan Kenobi technology, but even just having a VR headset even being at home and watching it pay-per-view, yeah, exactly, right? it's a lot better than watching it on a screen. And as you say, make it a 3D. You turn your head and you see maybe the crowd around that's at a live gig. You're listening to it through really good headphones. I can see that as being a, a viable alternative. I, I think there's a lot that can be done with concerts and VR. And I think it's really, it's not that close because, again, the, the headsets are big and bulky and uncomfortable. And do you want to watch a two-hour concert with something heavy on your head
0: no i just i thought i was thinking about it i didn't answer right away i had to think about it. yeah probably i wouldn't
1: want to do it today but i can see it coming in the future it's interesting though if you look remember when 3d tvs were all the rage yeah
0: what was that, a couple of years it wasn't ago? wasn't long
1: ago. When I bought my last TV, it was in 2016, and everyone was touting 3D. And I think it's a 3D TV, and it came with glasses which stayed in the box because I really don't care about it. And now they're not talking about it at all. So that sort of, that, that sort of technology where you have to put something on your face is going to be hard to sell.
0: Again, the embedded chip There's right have to behind be a good the eyeball, reason. that would be good. You could do that. And just think about seeing The Last Waltz and there it would be.
1: Another one that I find really surprising, Superstar Artists Will Be Gone. I I can't see that happening in the sense that, as you say, Taylor Swift Incorporated is going to become bigger than ever before. And why not Taylor Swift Incorporated Record Label? nurturing other artists who would tour with her, open for her, etc. There's all sorts of reasons for that. There is always going to be a concentration at the top in the music industry.
0: Well, there's a hierarchy. People are going to be popular and they're going to build the biggest audience. And how is that not going to happen? Well,
1: another one of these articles, there's a comment from someone named Jams Supernova, a young woman who's a DJ one extra and founder of Future Bounce. And a comment that she makes reads like it's something from 2000. I predict that as internet speed, streaming, smartphones, and social media evolve, even more grassroots artists will have the chance to make money off their craft and be successful artists. That
0: does sound like 2000.
1: People were saying that back in the day, and and it hasn't happened. There is, If anything, there has been more concentration with the rise of the playlist as the optimal music delivery system in fact you were just even saying before the show you listen to your doug adams radio station on apple music and you're hearing the same thing over and over aren't you
0: i don't like hearing the same thing over and over again however i guess that's what people like <laughs> they like hearing the. i mean that's why radio works right they people like hearing the same sort of song over and over again we've talked about this a million times i don't like that i like to be pleasantly surprised every now and then and it, and Apple music in fairness does do that they do throw in a few surprises, but for the most part these uh, these radio playlists in my Doug Adams radio station are essentially structured around the same twenty five thirty tracks occasionally you 'll see hear something different so I have to you know go through um, I have to go back to iTunes and and actually play music in iTunes to sort of disrupt what Apple Music thinks I want to hear. To reprime the pump. Right. So I play the most variety as possible uh, at home. And then when I'm listening on Apple Music, it seems to pick up on that. Although it's still, I still keep hearing this really bad Stooges stuff. This really bad <laughs> Stooges live album just keeps showing up and it's awful. And I keep saying I hate well, this song.
1: Tell, tell Apple Music you hate it. Oh, you've already I, done that. I already and it done still that. keeps playing it.
0: Yeah, Yeah. And I keep hearing Eric Clapton's Hello, Old Friend, and I hate that song too, and it keeps coming up. I don't even have that album. I don't even... But anyway, enough of my Well,
1: as far as radio is concerned, two of these articles say diametrically opposed things about radio. One says streaming is eating radio. Younger audiences are abandoning radio for streaming. Generation Z, whatever that is, is unlikely to ever, quote, grow into radio. Another one is saying radio will be about way more than just radio. The community work we do, the video series we're developing, and it's it's like
0: if it's video, it's not radio, right? It's there's two radios. There's radio, the radio industry, and then there's the radio you have on your desk, and you're not going to have the radio on your desk anymore. They're not broadcast radio. I think is going to be. Is going to be diminished you won't be listening to broadcast radio for music you'll stream but broadcast radio will be used for something And as they say maybe for local communication. I mean think about it Radio can only go so far if you're if you own a radio station It can only broadcast a few miles if you're on the internet. You're ever you're global. What's the point of having radio broadcast? I mean, it's 19th century technology things haven't changed much since Marconi (laughs) as far as radio goes really
1: well But – and you're someone I know who follows radio and and the trends in the industry because you used to work in radio. I often see tweets from you. Isn't – do we know what percentage of radio is people listening to talk radio and news as opposed to music?
0: Yeah, that stuff is – you can look at the ratings and it's it's quite obvious if you look at big cities. um, The talk news sports stations are generally um, the higher rated or among the higher rated stations. And this is people commuting, commuting, listening. I mean, I used to put the sports radio station on here, and when it, during football season, I listen to sports radio as wallpaper, um, just to hear every so okay. often they'll talk about something that I'm interested in about the, the weekend's last weekend's game or the next weekend's game.
1: Well, that's and that's part of the problem. It can't grow because it's local. It can't become universal because it is local. So, radio is maybe going to just become more local, but less a source of music and more a source of that news, that what would you call it? Political angst and anger, um, the sports,
0: whatever. I mean, anything that the community is interested in, it should. I mean, that's what it should be. It should be a reflection of what the community it, it wants. And if the community wants to have news and talk, that's great. It's supported commercially, and it, they seem to be doing pretty well.
1: So one of these lists is on Red Bull dot com. I believe Red Bull makes a soft drink. One of the people says here that this is a British English publication, the live experience is going to get madder, much madder, mad being crazy. It's true that you can do a lot more live than you could back in the day. Remember, the, the best we would have was a laser light show, and now you've got all sorts of possibilities of things, theater type stuff, you know, imagine acrobats and circus people and
0: well Cirque du Soleil is what I thought of I'm thinking like you know Lady Gaga doing Cirque du Soleil uh, levels yeah
1: but that's only going to be at the high end that's not going to be for everyone because not everyone can afford it you know the majority of musicians are still going to be playing in a little bar someplace with sticky floors and (laughs)
0: drunk people (laughs) Uh, that's fine with me I like that stuff that's great that's good stuff yeah
1: well, what I was really looking for this morning with this idea was I wanted to find about the technology is going to change. And I think we have to agree that the technology itself isn't going to change, other than perhaps VR.
0: Right. It's still the same thing, though. It's still visuals. and it's it's
1: We're just – it's stagnant. And it's a question of whether the production side is going to change anything. A lot of people talk about the end of the album and and the way that certain types of music are released more as – singles and EPs rather than albums, and that's fine, and that's nothing new. I mean, you know, those those early days of indie labels in the late 70s and early 80s, there were singles and EPs, cassette tapes, there were all sorts of formats. Obviously, the album was a a goal, but we had all sorts of types of releases. I'm, I'm not seeing that as a big issue. I think one of the things that none of these people talk about is the playlist, the power of the playlist, the power of potentially sponsored playlists, branded playlists, playlists that say Coke or Nike pays Spotify or Apple to highlight or pays specific artists a little bit more to be on the playlist because it's going to talk about the brand even though there might not be ads it just might be the Coca-Cola barbecue playlist
0: that's one way of looking at it like that's almost like I think of of it as being like a push you know but what about when i want to find something and there wasn't anything about you know discovery or You know finding new sources that's and that's a big problem for people like us right that's a good point Um, yeah and they don't you know they always assume that people want to hear as i said earlier the same 250 300 songs over and over again whereas you and i are looking for a lot of fresh discovery and that was a big deal a few years ago you know what the problem with all of this music is how do you how do you find it yeah
1: that was one of the big arguments for streaming that you have access to millions of songs and now that we've got them, what do we do with
0: them? Yeah. Because we just have too many. Right. And there's, so there hasn't been any movement on that. Um, I don't know how that's going to work. I mean, I guess that's what all these front ends are. That's what Apple Music and Spotify are supposed to do for you. But, but they've turned
1: into funnels to trying to get people into the fast lane of the playlist instead of into the slow lane of looking and slogging and, you know... W- you can follow people on Apple Music, and I follow you, and you follow me, and I look at some of what you're listening to, and I say, oh, that's Doug again. And you look at what some I'm listening to, and you say, oh, Kirk's listening to that stuff again. It's not going to make you listen to the John Cage or the Morton Feldman. It's not going to make me listen to the Paul Butterfield. So it's only when you've got a, a really big overlap in the Venn diagram that you're going to be interested in seeing what your friends listen to. And I do check out what some of my friends listen to. In particular, Peter Chilvers, when I see he's listened to something on Apple Music, I'll often check it out. He's the guy, I'll link in the show notes, he works with Brian Eno and he's created apps for Eno's music. He is often listening to some very interesting, obscure things or music that I'm familiar with and haven't heard of in a long time. But there's only so many people you can follow. If you're in a clique and you want to know what all your friends are listening to and you want to conform to your clique, then that would work. But if you have more eclectic taste, which is always our problem with this sort of thing, it doesn't make things any better. I've been listening to CDs this weekend. You know those little plastic things that are going to disappear soon? I remember them, yeah. I took out my Glenn Gould box set, and I've been listening to Glenn play a number of things. Is that your next
0: track this week?
1: No, in fact, my next track is something totally different. When I was... In my early 20s, when I was playing guitar, I had discovered a few contemporary 20th century guitar pieces. I bought a few records of obscure music, and I wanted to play some of this music. I wanted to try and play things that weren't just you know, rock and blues, which is what I played, or, or Bach and the kind of music, the, the classical, classical music. And so I discovered a number of things, and one of them in particular is a piece by Benjamin Britton called Nocturnal After John Dowland. He wrote this piece for Julian Bream when Julian Bream was just in his early 20s. And what really astounded me about the piece at the time was how vernacular it was to the guitar. In other words, it took advantage of open strings and harmonics and comfortable positions of playing double stops and arpeggios and things, whereas other guitar music by classical composers who didn't play the instrument sometimes would be all over the place. It would be very uncomfortable. I'll link to an article on BritainPairs.org. It's the foundation for Benjamin Britten and Peter Pears, who were partners in life, and it says that Britain always conscientiously researched its capabilities, individual sonorities, and particular limitations in order to write as authentically as possible. And it's definitely the case. You can hear
0: it in the music. Why don't they just say he learned to play the guitar? (laughs)
1: <laughs> he didn't learn to play but the he guitar learned
0: the... because he didn't play the guitar, but he learned about it
1: what notes would work on the guitar, right. It's interesting. So I'm going to link to a YouTube video by a gentleman named Paul Galbraith. He's a Scottish guitarist, and he's not only an extraordinary guitarist, but he co-invented something that he calls the Brahms guitar in the late 1980s, early 1990s. He wanted a guitar with more range to play a certain Brahms variations on guitar. Now, the guitar, you know, with six strings, it's only a few octaves. What is it, three and a half octaves? It's pretty limited. So he designed and worked with a guitar maker to make an eight-string guitar. And not only that, but, you know, to me, having played a handful of instruments, one of the least ergonomic instruments in the world is the guitar. Particularly with classical music, you have to have a little stool. You have to twist yourself to put the curve in the bottom over your knee. And it's really uncomfortable. So what he does is he plays his guitar like a cello. It's got a post at the bottom, goes to a resonance box. You can see his left hand is almost parallel to the ground on the neck. His right hand is picking almost parallel to the ground. He's really relaxed. I just want to read a comment to this YouTube video from someone who posted five years ago. So good it is actually annoying. You should have to struggle a little to so flawlessly interpret this hopelessly complex 20th century masterpiece. Maybe he could bite his lip or frown at times to make all of us pretenders feel better. And it's true. He plays this piece. He's just chilled. He's like, he's just Joe Chill, and he's just playing this thing, which is really an incredibly difficult piece to play. I was able to play some bits of it. It's kind of like there's different bits. There's like eight or nine different bits. And it ends with a version of John Dowland's Lacrame, which was the original Renaissance hit. Anyway, there will be a YouTube link, and I'll stick a link to a record on Apple Music as well. Where Paul Gobraith recorded this,
0: you were mentioning the Venn diagram of of where our tastes come together, and it just so happens I, w- I was thinking about that because um, i couldn 't think of a good album to listen to this week, and I said, well, let me i f- 'll well, get Kirk to help me i 'll just pick an album that I know he likes to <laughs> so it'll be fifty percent of my next track and fifty percent of you helping me do my next track. Um, Gang of Four is Entertainment which I know is an album that both of us really like. I remember when I I heard it when it was brandy, brandy, brandy new because I was working at the college station and it it had come in and I remember I dropped the needle on it and I fell in love with it immediately. I said, it's challenging... I didn't get what it was right away. I still remember discovering, "Hey, this is a funk record." <laughs> That's kind of how I think of it now.
1: It's a good point because you—that intro to the very first song—you
0: just don't know what it's going to turn out to be. You have no idea. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, a um, gang of four, uh, what art school guys? Um, they wrote about in this particular album. The the personal experience is the poli- is a political experience. So. They wrote songs about relationships that were based on uh, commercial terms and political terms and marketing terms. It's really inter- interesting lyrically. But the music is really incredible. It's so minimal. Uh, it's. It came out in 1979. Um, they are uh, the first generation of post-punk bands that take the minimalism of of punk and kind of turn take it and turn it into uh, a different sound using funk elements using reggae elements dub elements Uh, and they get this great minimal funk sound that i really enjoy but i really also like the dissonance and the uh, the crazy tempo um, feels that they get just really tremendous Uh, i don't Their early stuff is is terrific and of course when they got more commercial I liked it less as is the way I am with everything but um, I remember after getting used to entertainment I I got a chance to hear the original single of Damaged Goods and it's even better than the version on entertainment and in 2005 they recut a lot of their early songs on an album called Return the Gift and it's amazing to hear them re-recorded and redone. You can still, well, they still have the essence of the original song. They still have that
1: essence rare.
0: They still have, yes, which is a song from Entertainment.
1: I found that essence rare. Th- this is actually a record that I bought on cassette. Remember, we talked about cassettes a while back, and there were a handful of things that I bought on cassette, and I remember having this on cassette, and I listened to this over and over. And as you say, there's politics in it, but it's like some of those opening riffs that they're just, they're powerful. And as you say, they're dissonant too. There is a definite nod toward contemporary 20th century art music with a certain level of dissonance. You know, you think of some of what we call downtown music in New York, the sort of arty music that was punky. You think of some of the no New York stuff, James White and the Blacks, uh, Teenage Jesus and the Jerks. And it's all that, but it's really intelligent. And, I don't think. I think I had two or three of their records, and then, as you say, you know, I like their early stuff better, as is the case. And they went out and they wanted to, like many of these bands, they wanted more and they wanted to become poppy, and so but it is a record that I do listen to and my son actually likes it and the Venn diagram of what my son and I like is not that very good But
0: It's become a, a highly esteemed record I don't think I would have said at the time I would have thought it would have had as much influence as it did but it certainly does Gang of Four, Entertainment is my next track This was episode number 156 of The Next Track. Thank you very much for listening. Your comments are welcome. You can start or join a conversation on this episode's show page at our website. You'll also find links to some of the things we talked about in the show notes for this episode. Just visit thenexttrack.com. If you like the show, we'd appreciate it if you gave us a rating or a review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you can't leave a review, talk about us wherever you do your talking. I'm Doug Adams, and for Kirk McElhern, thanks again. We'll talk to you next time.